If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Anne Beringer. Anne started initially riding and eventing and competing and eventing, but now she's specialising as a dressage competitor, trainer and coach, and she's competing up to Grand Prix. How are you today, Anne? Um, well, thanks, Glenis. Wonderful. And we start off normally with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? Well, it depends what's going on at the time. Mm-hmm. I've got several favourites. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, tell us your first couple. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends, like I say, whether it's the horse or the rider, but like, you know, hasten slowly in a day at a time and those sort of things. Yep. And I think probably with our dressage horses or any work in general with horses, it's the song of Kenny Rogers. You've got to know when to hold up and when to fold up a bit, (laughs) that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. So it just depends what's going on at the time, I guess. Okay. Now, both of these, you know, the hasten slowly and one day at a time and also the Kenny Rogers one, do you say that to your students? Do you teach them, you know, and say that to them at any stage or is it more something that you do when you're training your own horses? Uh, Both, really. I often say those quotes quite often depending what's going on within the lesson because it can, you know, know when to hold up or when to fold up depending if things are going wrong or and all that sort of thing. Sure. And it's, I think it's both, both mm-hmm. my training and also my teaching as well. Yep, yep, yep. Tell us about your very first memories with horses. How old were you? Probably I can remember when I was really small and my mum and dad actually used to say that I used to hold my breath when I saw horses. So <laughs> I don't quite remember that part. But okay. yes, I sort of had the bug right from early stages like from when I was four and that sort of thing I could imagine yeah do you have like an early memory of something that may have happened I can remember when I had my first canter okay how was that oh we had our at the side of our house I was sort of used to ride the horse down to the rails Mm -hmm. that's living on the age a bit because uh, you didn't have gates so much then you had rails (laughs) anyhow I'd, I'd walk down and trot back up the paddock and then one day I was game enough when I turned around and dandy, mm-hmm. we got into a canter. So I can really honestly remember that. <laughs> That's great. But you're grinning from ear to ear. I can almost see you now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now yeah. From, from dandy, just tell us a little bit about your progression. When did you decide to actually have a career with horses? Was it when you were young? Was it a gradual thing? Did it come on all of a sudden or... Did you have another career first? How did that work out? Well, no, I was actually, like, when I was at school and I can remember when I was in, well, it was first form then Mm. or anyhow, what would be year seven now, I suppose, and they asked, you know, what did you want to do? And 
I said that I wanted to be an instructor and train horses. Mm -hmm. And then that wasn't like a popular thing to do. But anyhow, I sort of eventually, well, actually, while I was at school and that, I actually worked with Neil Lavis as a Jillaroo. Oh, great. And Yeah, so that, well, that sort of started me on the path. And then while I was at Neil's, that was when, like, I was eventing a fair bit then. Mm -hmm. And with the... National Coaching and Accreditation Scheme, mm-hmm. and I've become a coach through all that. Yep, yep. Good. Mm. So if someone wants to work in the horse industry now and thinking about what you had when you were in first form at school, what sort of core skills or character traits do they need? Look, you have to be, like, patience is a big thing and understanding, and it is hard work. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard physical work, and it's a mental thing as well. Like, as a rider or a trainer, you've got to think about, you know, all that sort of thing. And I think these days there's there's more out there where you can sort of be accommodated to all those things now, you know, than when we were, you know, Mm -hmm. probably. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Okay. So what advice would you give them as far as being prepared for the hard physical work and the, the, you know, having patience and understanding it? Would you give people any advice on how to gain that? Yeah, well, probably if you've got an opportunity to go and work, uh, like, you know, work experience type things in different places and stables and mm-hmm. and all that type of thing yep. and to find out whether you actually realise when you're at places, bigger establishments and that sort of thing of, you know, the early starts and the hard work besides yeah. the the fun things like going to and competing. But you need to find that out mm, mm. early on yep. because I just feel that um, if you get an idea and if you really love it and have a passion mm-hmm. for it, will you go with it? Yeah, yeah. What do you think's the best thing about working in the horse industry? Oh, look, it's, like I say, it is hard work, but it's enjoyable and you get a lot of satisfaction and you meet some lovely people Mm -hmm. and you also get to go around the countryside, whether it's sort of in your general area or maybe have opportunities if you're good enough to get on teams and have all that type of experience as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a good lifestyle and, I mean, you know, there's ups and downs, but there's ups and downs in everything anyhow. So, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. You talked about Neil, Neil Lavis. Has there been anyone else you think that sort of influenced you and given you the right guidance along the way and helped you in your career? Yeah, definitely. Like Neil and Velma Lavis both. So mm-hmm. that was a wonderful opportunity to work at their place. Also, my parents, they were very, very supportive in whatever because I decided to go pursue the equestrian side of things and also Diane Peter Jenkins mm-hmm. yes, from Queensland. They used to be in Wagga but they're in Queensland now and also another person that influenced me a lot and she's passed away now and that was Judy Cubitt. Okay, yep, yep, yeah. for sure. And actually her quote that hastens slowly and yep. a day at a time actually come from Judy. So... <laughs> That's good. And also when you were doing a 20-metre circle, quarter of a circle at a time. Okay, yes, yes. When she was telling you that, do you remember a particular instance, like what you were doing or your horse was doing that made her say that? Yeah, well, she happened to be in our area and she'd always come out 
and have a look and see whatever horses I was riding at the time. Mm-hmm. And she'd say, you know, don't get too in front of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like ride the correct quarter of your circle when you get to that spot, finish the next quarter and the next quarter. And then that, it just made sense. Yep. Yep. And it yep. clicked, you know. Good. And you can use that in lots of other places as well, mm, if that mm, makes sense. Mm. Yes, if you sort of break it down to your, especially to your dressage test, you'd probably break it down to every stride, couldn't you, that you want to keep improving each stride. Yeah, That's yeah. right, exactly. Okay, now what about horses? Have you got a horse that might have influenced you in your career? Well, a horse that I invented and um, he actually, oh, well, you know, did three-day events and all that sort of thing. He was a hard horse. Like, I was young at the time, and he didn't show jump as well, but he, he ended up being very successful eventer, and he was fantastic cross-country, and he was quite good at dressage too. Show jumping was his weak spot, but mm-hmm. when we got it right on the day, he was a really tough, good horse. What was his name? Geneva Okay. was yep. his name. Yep. And then the horse that I took to Grand Prix, that was um, I've Got Rhythm, and um, his stable name was Frog. And <laughs> my father actually saw him, he was a thoroughbred, and he saw him, uh, he was a New Zealand thoroughbred actually, and a local trainer had him. And um, Dad used to help Nancy, uh, Nancy Jones out for a little bit, and she trained him, and he said that's the type of horse that Anne wanted mm-hmm. as a dressage horse because he was just a really good type. He yep. looked more like a warm blood. Yep. And unfortunately, Dad passed away, but I ended up, Nancy gave me the horse and oh, he ended up great. going from preliminary to Grand Prix. Wow, wow, that's great. Yeah. And tell me, why he got his name Frog? Why would you call him Frog? Well, he was chestnut with white blaze and he was had a little bit of a Roman nose mm-hmm. and he had big eyes. And when Nancy saw him, she said he looked like a bullfrog. <laughs> and then he got frog for short. Okay. All right. Now, taking him to Grand Prix and, and doing some three-day venting on Geneva, what do you think your proudest moment? Has it been one of those or has it been something else? Uh, look, in actual fact, there's probably um, certainly the journey with frog and Geneva. Mm-hmm. They're really special and all that. And then I can even, like, if you just ride a test that really clicks, it might only be a preliminary test or whatever, and it, everything goes right. And I can, I, you, you get goosebumps when mm. it's just right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah, there's been a few horses that it's just everything's clicked. Yeah. And, yeah. And you're feeling pretty proud right then. Yeah. 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 Okay, now thinking about where you are now, has there been challenges? Well, I'm sure there would have been. What do you think is your biggest challenge to get to where you are now? Uh, I don't know. We, where we live, I mean, it's always a distance and that, but there's mm-hmm. getting more competitions around here, like certainly the distance and probably, you know, it would be nice to be able to go to more comps, but you're sort of limited a little bit sometimes too. So that's sometimes a bit of a challenge, mm-hmm. but you can always work your way through it anyhow. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So if someone's got, I mean, how far were you traveling? Were you traveling hours or days or how far? Oh, look, I mean, gee, it's nothing if you compared to if you're in the territory or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but the thing is 
our closest comp is probably Canberra, three hours uh, narrow. They have comps, and um, I mean, you know, that lovely complex at Borley Point just up the road from us now, they're having quite good comps there, so it's getting easier all the time. Yep. And then if um, with our Clarendon official competitions, well, for us, depending on the traffic and when you leave, it's um, like a five-and-a-half-hour, six-hour trip. Yep. You know, you, you just do what you have to do, and that's just it. So what would you say to someone who said, oh, no, I can't compete anymore because it's just too hard. I've, you know, for some reason I've had to, there's just no way I can compete because it's too far away. So what would you say to them? Well, it's a big thing to sort of, if you're depending on like how settled you are in an area and all that sort of thing, even if you didn't, you mightn't, if you could keep training Mm. and even if you couldn't go to a comp every month, Yep. Just try to pace it that you can pick your good comps and mm. and ones that are worthwhile and official or whatever stage you might be at with, with your horse. Yeah, yeah. So keep doing the training at home, you know, even if you can just get to a few each year. Yeah. Yeah, yep. try to just pick your comps that, that, you know, you can pick up if you desire to go, you know, compete officially mm. or you want to be able to go to official comps. But if you're just happy to just go to competitive places, well, with whatever you're at with your training and at whatever stage, you mightn't have to do it every month, but every second or third month Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you're happy to still keep doing that. Sure. And thinking about you as a coach now, you know, when you're out competing or with your own students, what's a common fault that you see and also how can it be fixed? Sometimes the training or you hope it goes reasonably well at home. Mm. (laughs) And having said that, if everything's going okay after what we said about, you know, the distance thing, but if you've got the availability to go to competitions, the more you can get in that competitive environment and it's Mm. it's like a, you know, it's exposure to competition and pressures of competition Mm -hmm. that will help improve all that so that it becomes second nature to be able to go to a comp and you have your plan about I'm going to do this, this and this mm-hmm. and then the more you do that, the more the easier it will be, become. So if you've got a rider and you're preparing them for a competition, someone that you're teaching, what's a common thing that you might see with your riders and not, not necessarily one specific rider but it's a common fault that you do see with riders when you're preparing for a competition? Well, probably you get a little bit, try to keep it as like what you're doing at home mm-hmm. and try to think about, sometimes you say it goes super and it happens to me too, yeah. <laughs> uh, at home and you're trying to sort of keep it the same. So whether it's the, the nerve or the pressure environment and you've always got to have a bit of a backup plan because always there'll be something that pops up and probably... I think if you can sort of keep your horse's attention, keep your leg on, you know, by using all your training mm-hmm. while you're at home and when you go to a comp, you sort of might sort of forget about those good basic things that you've learnt. Like a quarter of a circle at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you sort of get a bit, bit stage frighty or whatever and if, if you sort of break it down and get it in your mind, 
that I can do this at home, I can do it here. Mm, You know, mm. you've got to sort of get that mental preparation happening. Yep, yep. So if you're riding and training at home and then you ride and train exactly the same way at competitions, then it's going to be a lot easier. The horse is going to be a lot more confident as well, aren't they? Yeah. That's right. If they're, like, if they get a bit spooky or a bit whatever, if you can train them at home, I mean, it's not going, it will still happen. But if you've got that good basic foundation with your training, Mm. hopefully, if if you can get through the nervy part and all that, that it's just the same out, that I'm just going to be able to do that. And they know the age. So, yeah. And have you got a book that you can recommend to our listeners just to help them with their training? I actually, a friend of mine gave me a lend of this book, mm-hmm. and it's um, the Carl Hester book, Making It Happen. Oh, yeah, yep. It's his the autobiography, I suppose you could say, but mm-hmm. I think even reading that, it makes you realise he didn't, never had it easy <laughs> either. No, no. And, you can actually, little pieces in that book, you can actually pick up bits for training and thinking about horses and why horses do things and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think it's a sort of book that you can read over and over again. Yep, yep. Mm. And it's nice to know that he didn't have it easy, you know, that it wasn't just all laid out for him, that everyone's got their challenges. So you can't compare yourself to anyone else. You can just do the best with what you've got. That's exactly right, yes. Now, Anne, you've got a couple of young horses you're bringing on. What are you looking forward to with them? And what level are they competing at now? Uh, I've got um, Mare that's competing medium level. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, and actually, they're, they're horses that we've bred ourselves. They're full brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And um, the gilding, he's novice elementary level. He hasn't had a start elementary yet, but he's hopefully not far away of that. It's always special, isn't it? If you've got one that you've bred, it's not just one that you've sort of broken in and got going, but one that you've actually bred. And wow, having a full brother and sister, that would be nice to have them out. Are they similar looking? No, they're not actually. <laughs> Ruby, she's the first foal and she's 16 hands and she's brown mm. and four white socks and a little bit of white on her forehead. Yep. And then Rocky, he's actually bay, got the four white socks again and a bit of a star and a stripe, and yeah. he's 17 too. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really pleased with and excited with both of them. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Sounds mm. good. Now, if you could sum up your philosophy into a message for our listeners, a philosophy with horses, that would be great. Yeah. Well, probably, I think where there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard work, but you just keep chipping away at it. And the other thing too, you just got to, you know, with all this, you've still got to enjoy it and, okay. and sort of make the best of what you've got, whether it's your horse and getting to comps and all that sort of thing and have fun, the bottom mm. line. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yes, I think, you know, have uh, have fun. That's the reason that we get into it in the first place is to have fun, to enjoy that's ourselves. Right. And I mean, we, we it's lovely, the success. You know, I mean, that's wonderful. Mm. And um, there's a lot of knocks before you get to the success. It makes it, that's wonderful, but you've got to be able to sort of take the the knocks with the good stuff too. Make, you know? Makes you appreciate yeah. the good stuff more. Exactly. <laughs> that's right, Glennis. Yeah.
Okay. And how can people contact you? Probably the best way would be just my mobile number. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mobile or my email, I suppose. I'm probably more with the mobile Okay. Quite honest. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll put those details on your page at Horse Chats. So it'll be horsechats.com slash Anne Beringer or just go to horsechats.com and search for Anne and it's Anne without the E. That's correct, Glennis. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for talking to us today. I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm sort of thinking that you, you know, you really enjoy your lifestyle and the, the level of satisfaction you're getting with your horses. I'm very excited about your full brother and sister. And, um, you know, hope you go well with them as well. So thanks for talking to us, Anne, and hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Okay, Glennis. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Okay. Good night. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.